Welcome into episode 214 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. This episode is brought to you by Angel Drums. If you're not familiar with Angel Drums, Angel is a Hungarian company where they completely hand make everything. Uh, the shells are segment shell construction, which is a solid shell style where there's less tension in the wood, less glue, um, so you get a more natural, bigger, pure sound. They also make their own hardware, including the throw-off, their lugs, and their very popular straight hoops. They offer a variety of exotic woods from ash to wenge and zebra wood. They also include premium features like canopa snare wires. Um, the prices are really shockingly affordable, especially considering they're cust- all custom order. Now, here's the kicker. Between now and Halloween, that is October 31st, they're having the Scary Good Deals discount. So you can get yourself a 14-inch ash solid shell snare drum for only $475 plus shipping. That is a regular retail price of $750. And they also have a 14-inch high-gloss mahogany. That's on sale for $6.99 plus shipping. That's regularly a $1,275 retail price. Now, if you want to get a kit, check this out. You can get a 10, 12, 14-inch toms and a 20-inch bass drum, all in solid maple shells for $19.99 plus shipping. And if you want to add a snare drum to that, it is just $2,399. So the retail price on the kit plus the snare is $3,600. But they're selling it between now and Halloween for $23.99. The retail price on the kit without the snare is $3,300. And that is available now, between now and Halloween, for $19.99. Pretty insane deal. So if you're looking to make an order and you're in the U.S., you need to email Chris at Angel Drums. That's C-H-R-I-S at angeldrums.com. If you're outside the U.S., you can just go to angeldrums.com website and contact them there. Um, These deals are good until Halloween. That is October 31st. Get yourself a snare. Get yourself two snares. Get yourself a kit. Um, This stuff is all really, really high quality, top-notch gear from Angel Drums. This episode is also brought to you by Movement Drum Co. And Movement has a really high quality practice pad available. So if you go to movementdrum.co, you can check out what they have. They're calling it the 4-in-1 Practice Pad Laminate Plus Conditioning Pad. So what you get is um, it's a 12-inch pad. It's double-sided, and it has a full-leaf, you know, has a rim uh, built into it. It comes with uh, four different hitting surfaces. So there's a top surface that's silicone rubber that resembles the feel and rebound of a, a you know, a tightly tuned snare drum. The bottom surface is quieter and softer, which is uh, designed for, you know, if you want to practice more quietly or also if you want to have a little bit of a more intense workout to develop your your wrist strength. Um, and then there's also a conditioning surface insert, which is a very low, low rebounding, quiet surface that uh, is really going to give yourself a workout. And then the other thing they include is a laminate, uh, a plastic laminate that you can place on top that gives you a lot more articulation which would be really good if you want to, you know, shed some chops with another drummer, rudimental style, drumline style, drum core. It gives you a more clear articulate attack, so you can really focus on cleaning up your timing and the clarity of your doubles and all that. So go to movementdrum.co, and if you use the code MODERNDRUMMER10, that's MODERN with a capital M, DRUMMER with a capital D, and then 1010, use that promo code and you'll get 10% off your order plus free shipping if you're in the U.S. So you might want to take advantage of that. Again, go to movementdrum.co and use the promo code moderndrummer10 for 10% off your entire order. All right, our intro beat this week is from Arlo, and this is from the song Safe by his band Arlito's Way. All recorded live, no click track. Um, So let's check it out. Start. No, this I'm is serious business. You've got to tell us what the heck's going on in your world. You're changing things up. What's happening? What well, is everybody knows on? forever I've been a Vic Firth artist, right? Forever. And <laughs> forever. <laughs> and so everything is normal. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, we officially announced the move. Uh, moved back, have, right? We should clarify. You started Moved back, Vic yeah. Years ago. So I was with Vic Firth for about, I think, 12 years. Okay. Um, then had an amazing time at Vader. And I want to clear one thing up really quick, just for anybody that's currently playing my signature model of stick, 
you will still be able to get that. So if that's the stick that feels right in your hand, we made sure the parting with Vader was amazingly amicable. Everything was good. And we made sure that that model will still be made just under a new model number. So you don't have to go searching for a new stick. And this move wasn't a move where it was like, all right, everyone that's playing Vader, come on over to Vic Firth. That's not at all what's going on in my head. This was, there are some very specific things happening in the educational world that Vic Firth is a part of, and I wanted to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes sense. And, and honestly, on a stick level, I, I'm going to be just totally transparent. Those I like both sticks. Mm-hmm. Vic's feel great in my hand. Vader's feel great in my hand. So that move, it wasn't as much about sticks as it was I wanted to be a part of what they're doing with education. And then after that, I have to say, I want to also make sure people know, um, because I did see a few people, you and I know the normal trolls, they're like, talk about getting some money. Money, money, yeah, everything's about money. I'm like, okay, you clearly don't know anything about the stick industry. (laughs) Especially drumsticks. (laughs) Yeah, $75, put in my back pocket to get some burgers. Uh, So um, I am not doing a signature stick. I am playing the AJ1. Um, Oh, that's a great stick. Yeah, I think it's I think it's uh, Amber Johnston one. I think that's what the the name is. <laughs> They've so. got to do a batch with her signature on it for you, right? It's my wife's signature stick. It's not my signature stick. So the AJ one, you know, if you think about it, I designed my signature stick eight nine years ago. Well, my playing's mm-hmm. changed a whole lot in the last decade, mm-hmm. and so I hadn't reevaluated sticks in a really long time. And when I went through everything, I thought I was going to be playing the SD ten Swinger because that's what I played when mm-hmm. I was a Vic Firth artist. Then I was like, whoa, this thing's massive. I'm not playing this. Um, and then I started going through everything. And when I got to that AJ1, it was like a 5B in my hand, but it came off the symbol like a 7A. It was weird. Is that maple? No, it's it's hickory. Is it hickory? Yeah, and, but, but it it's just got this like really tip. long taper. Yeah, no? that's right. I remember so that yeah, it's this I'm thinking weird, of the, uh, the, that, that classic series they came out with last year. Yeah, so the MJC4 would have been like, that is literally almost my signature stick. Uh, it's in maple. Mm-hmm. It's got the half barrel tip, but it's a little bit too long for me. Okay. And like I said, I wasn't looking to replicate my signature stick from one company to the next. It was like, well, let me just start from scratch. Let mm-hmm. me try a pair of 5As and 5Bs. So I am playing a stock model. And I'm and full transparency. They're like, is do you want to make something? Because your stick is always sold really well. And I'm like, not really. I mean, if you make what I want to play, why would we? I don't want to make something just to do it. Right. That I makes mean, no sense. Is there an option for them? I know some companies they will you know custom give artists a signature version that they can then give out at clinics or whatever. Are you going to go that yeah, route or not? No. Just no. I think stock. it's. I think it almost says more for Vic if I actually play a stock model and that's it. It's yeah. Like, true. I literally, they sent me all, they just said, go through our website and find what you think is in the ballpark. You know, mm-hmm. we're not going to send you seven A's if you know you're not going to play seven A's. So I went through and found everything that was what I thought I would play. And when I got to that um, AJ1, I was like, wow, this is actually helping me pl- get closer to the sound that I'm trying to play. Like, it actually oh, makes cool. playing lighter a, a bit easier, but it's still in your hand as a big stick. So it, I can tell you guys this. Do not take my word for any of this. Play the drumstick that feels good in your hand. (laughs) We have different hands. I can't tell you what (laughs) stick to play. I can't tell you what shoes to wear. We have different hands. But when I found that stick, it was this thing where I was like, okay, cool. This is actually an improvement from where I was because of the size and the fact that I haven't reevaluated sticks in so long. So that was the benefit. So, yeah, so that is public knowledge now. And now what starts is us creating some very, very new stuff for education that has not been done with Vic Firth in the past. So I'm really excited about that. Nice. So when is that all kicking off? Next year, probably? Yeah, so I fly down to L.A. uh, in December to start filming everything. And do you know Mark Wessels? Yeah. Yeah. So he was the biggest reason for this move, I have to say. I wanted to work with him. Yeah. Um, I mean, I feel like he was on the YouTube thing early on, right, with Vic. He's, yeah. And, and I mean, he's just one of those guys where no matter what product comes out and no matter whose famous name is in the front, it always says, with Mark Wessels. Yeah, right. So, so in my mind, that means that dude did most of the work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, the little, uh, the, the small fine print. Oh, yeah. That. Yeah, <laughs> edited by Michael Dawson. Oh, you mean he wrote the book. Got it. That's all I need to know. Uh, so I, I knew that Mark was heavy into this stuff, and when we spoke on the phone, so it wasn't like an A&R poaching me from another company or attracting me to another company. It was me talking to Mark and we mm-hmm. came up with some ideas for education 
that I could have never come up with on my own. And once that happened, I was like, that's a partnership that I want. Yeah. I want somebody that can push me to do things that I can't think of on my own and that the collaboration is better than just me by myself or them by themselves. So that that was really what fueled this whole thing. So I'm really excited to get to work with Mark. Bigot. And also yeah, you've got, oh, before we talk about the snare drum, so I'm doing a gig tonight and guess what instrument I have to add to the kit for the first time in 20 years? A splash. A cowbell. <laughs> yes! Tell me Meinl sent you one. No, I had to find my old Black Beauty oh. cowbell and duct tape it up. <laughs> you don't have the groove, though? Oh, it. man. That's terrible. Like, this is ironic. I was just making fun of him for putting out a cowbell. <laughs> and now I've got to play it on two songs. <laughs> hey, let's. what is going on with our listeners? Why do you guys keep trying to pit us against each other? Like, There's always a little sneaky comment like, I'm going to tell Dawson blah, blah, blah. I'm going to tell Johnston. I'm like, hey. Mike and I are friends. We're good. We're not. We're not teaming up against each other. Yeah. Leave it alone, people. <laughs> you and your drama. So um, well, anyway, I, the cowbells out. Cowbell now you've got us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm doing like you know quarter notes, classic rock. But anyway, let's talk about snare jumps because I'm kind of embarrassed that I have to play a cowbell. <laughs> you, man, you're missing out. I, that thing's going to change your life. You're going to get to quarter notes and then it's going to go kook. Oh no, Dawson's on the rhythm train. Hey, you're fired. (laughs) Yeah. You'd be like, whatever. I had a blast on this cowbell. Uh, So, yeah, so I was, I just spent the last three days in Los Angeles at the DW factory, which is also the, the, are the West Coast hub for Gretsch. So Mm -hmm. it's where they make the DW drums, not where they make Gretsch drums, but Gretsch's headquarters are now there inside the DW offices. So I was there for the last three days doing what they call dealer days, which is a lot of times they'll bring in. So if you guys have ever been to NAM or know what NAM is, it's a, just it's absolute chaos. So the point of NAM is for people that own stores to walk around to these different vendors that make products and listen to those products and order them. It's very hard to do that at NAM. Mm-hmm. So what yeah. a lot of companies have done is they've started doing these little pre-NAM shows where they'll fly the dealers into their controlled environment and show off the new product ahead of NAM and say, okay. We put a lot of work into this drum. We want you to hear it, or this symbol, or whatever. Before you go any further, do you think the tea leaves are telling us that the NAM show is becoming an unnecessary event? Are we getting to that point? We are getting to the point that I think NAM is going to become Sunday all week. It's just just for the public. Yeah, just a carnival, just a fair. Yes. Yep. There's because there's just no reason, and it, it, you know, once we started seeing people move upstairs and have private areas so that dealers could hear the instruments. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm an artist, and DW last year was like, "Sorry, man, you can't go." I'm like, "What? I'm a I'm a Gretsch art. I I think I've got like a signature product coming out." Well, Mino um, did it too. I was like, "Now, nah, oh yeah, Mino was in. one of the first to do it." Yeah, crazy. Everyone freaked out five years ago or whenever it was that Mino wasn't on the floor. And yeah. so anyway, so yeah, I do think it's headed that way, and it makes more sense. I, I can tell you this. As somebody that put a ton of work into the what, what's now being called the Gretsch Brooklyn Standard Snare Drum. It would have killed me to not have this chance to get in front of these store owners and tell them why this drum exists. Mm-hmm. If it just showed up as a skew and they're yeah. like, cool, Gretsch made drum. another drum. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 you don't even know why this exists. Yeah. So that's why I made this trip. And Davey Litch was there. He was presenting a new um, ca- uh, sand cast bell bronze snare that was just, I mean, knock your socks off, blow your eardrums out. But it was amazing. But um, so, so what we do is we stand there and the... the the product managers of Gretsch, PDP, LP, and DW give the pitches on what the new products are. And then they were kind enough to let me give the pitch on the Gretsch Brooklyn standard. So did that, but we'll talk about that in length later as we get closer to NAM, because that's when the drum will come out. Yeah. But I really want to just talk with you about something, which is I think I was getting back to that point where I'd convinced myself that all drums are created equal. Mm. And what I realized through this process, because Dave was the demo guy for DW, Collector Series, and PDP, and I was the demo guy for all the Gretsch products. And this goes, you know, and Gretsch goes down to Catalina. I was demoing Catalina stuff Mm -hmm. all the way up to USA Custom. Like I said, Dave was demoing PDP all the way up to Collector Series. Being in the room and having a drummer play a solo on a DW Collector's kit and then have me play a USA Custom, I was shocked at the differences and it wasn't a difference in quality. It was like, wow. Yeah. This, these two things totally, and maybe you see it more than I do because I'm kind of stuck in my Gretsch vacuum. Yeah. I had no idea those two kits were that different. Yeah. It, for me, it's, it's, um, 
it's kind of shocking when I get behind. I mean, I think of like DW and some of Thomas stuff. There's a there's a and Pearl stuff. I can't play the way I usually play because I'm more coming from a Ludwig old Ludwig background and Rogers mm-hmm. and so I think you know the Gretsch kind of dips that way where it's more of a yes. classic sound rounder slower attack slower attack Tama and DW it's like the attack is instantaneous so it forces me to think differently like the articulation yeah. becomes really an important part of what I'm going to play on the instrument rather than just go for sound like roundness and, and like bottom end beefiness so let the I'm drum sure breathe. Can, I'm sure you can manipulate those drums to do that, but it's like just not their natural voice. So that's and for people that don't know, I was a DW artist for a long time, and I struggled for a long time putting a ton of effort into manipulating my DW to become a Gretsch. And until I finally <laughs> stopped right. fighting that, it, it became much easier. And I want to make sure that we're, I'm not saying, and Mike's not saying that one is better than the other. But what I'm saying is that if I would have played. When Dave played on that DW, I thought he has the most perfect endorsement for his playing. Yeah. If he played that same stuff on the Gretsch bop kit that I'm about to play, you would just hear a hum. None of the notes would have any clarity. And so, um, interesting. You know, what was cool though is honestly, the setup was almost, they didn't mean for it to be this way, but it clearly was, well, we've got two drummers in the room and they're going to kind of play back to back. It was set up very, competitive it wasn't a good situation it's not the kind of thing i like i mean it was a great situation on the gear side but anyways what i loved was that the drum set didn't allow me to get into a cockfight with dave elich because i couldn't play those things if even if i wanted to because the drum set wouldn't do it so and i would think he wouldn't be able to do the same thing like explore the nuance of mezzo piano dynamics you wouldn't hear it. (laughs) it i mean that's the thing is when he laid into those drums i was like that's exactly what dw does and it does it really well yeah yeah and then you know and then i was playing so quiet on this gretsch kit snares off and Mm. playing all musical and my you know my tribal tattoo was fighting it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it was like buzzing. It was like, stop it. Hit something. It's Hit like something you up on your arm. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, so you just, you just stay out of this. You stay out of this. Uh, so anyways, it was a great time, but most importantly, I came home with a refreshed sense of why we have multiple drum companies, what they do, why they exist, and how it's very important. I, I can tell you, I I got as much out of the DW side as I did, uh, and PDP, as I did out of the Gretsch side. I came home thinking, you know what? I've got like 15 campers that I can think of right off the top of my head that I now would not recommend a, a USA custom to and I would push them towards a collector series mm. because I know how they play and they'd sound great on that kit or a Tama or a Pearl yeah. that that kind of focus direct in your face fast attack sound you know yeah and I think the distinction we're talking about the high end stuff I think when you get mm. into the entry level stuff that's Absolutely. where drums are a drum and now you're picking hardware and finishes and just whatever most of brand. them aren't made at the factory of the company yeah it's exactly. a little bit more homogenized yeah that, that I totally agree i mean as a as a kid i was just i was so confused like why does this thomas Swingstar sound like my pearl export like they were just <laughs> so similar like yeah what's the difference and then i actually played the professional versions like oh okay there you that's go that's why these companies totally exist different. yeah uh heads up everybody Watch. I mean, I shouldn't say this as somebody that pimps the Catalina nonstop, but watch out for PDP. The 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 yeah. stuff they have coming out is a resurgence of what made PDP huge in the first place, mm. which is stop trying to be DW. Yeah, right. Be yeah. PDP because you're the best. You're literally one of the best in the world at it. And I'm telling you, uh, the guy that's taken over brand, um, I guess brand manager of PDP he's brought it back and seeing all the new PDP stuff I'm like that's where that that's the sweet spot that 900 to 1200 drum set that someone that doesn't know any better thinks is a $5000 drum set yeah. that's PDP and it sounds great yeah so oh my god yeah it it was amazing so good stuff all right my friend you want to dig into some big kid stuff yeah i guess so so um, oh, by the way, just a quick word. I am going to be in Florida on December 2nd in the Tampa area area for a clinic. 
Um, we'll have more details in the future. But what? if you're in Tampa, December 2nd, that's a Monday, so there's really no excuse for anyone to not come out. I'll be down I'm, there. I am not helping your career out anymore. <laughs> you're becoming like the, the, the big kid clinician. I'm, I'm, I'm fed up by it. Yeah, not quite. So let's talk about exercising and should you or shouldn't you do it and how it relates to your drumming. So that's there's a piece in the current issue, November, where Brandon Green lays out his treatise on strength training to improve the bass drum speed and endurance in particular. I thought maybe we could just start by just talking about our own experience and maybe myth-busting of strength training and drumming and all that. So, well, I can tell you right now, if I don't care about my drumming, if my body could just look like Brandon Green's, I'd be fine. <laughs> I'd quit drumming and just walk around with a shirt off all day. So I think we can... You don't do that already? <laughs> Yeah, everyone in Folsom's like, there goes shirtless Johnston. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, so I think I've always divided this up into two phases, and I know that you definitely put in quite a bit of time on overall awareness of health, whether it be working out or trying to eat better, trying to drink better. And I think, it, did you tell me that your brother is really big into fitness? Yeah, yeah he's a personal trainer and his wife's a nutritionist, okay. so I, I'm always, you know... Getting, getting subtle hints of things I should be right. doing from them <laughs> or not so, so subtle. With like that, my Christmas present was a kettlebell. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> like, what, what does this say? Well, <laughs> be, you know, I have always divided these things up into there's drum fitness and then there is overall body fitness. Mm-hmm. And they, to me, are totally unrelated because I have seen you and I both have seen people that are not even remotely in shape, but their drum fitness is off the charts. Mm -hmm. Their stamina. I mean, you can have a, say a metal drummer that is 200 pounds overweight, but that dude can play blast beats at 290 for an entire hour. The most fit CrossFit athlete on the planet, their shin would just snap yeah like yeah, they're yeah. not in drum shape i think that's right? we were talking about genetics in that case like someone like steve ferroni you know he's he's one of the strongest men on earth but he's right. not in the gym every day clearly but when you hear him play yeah. drums it's like wow i don't think i can get that much sound out of a snare drum yeah and i mean you know before uh eric lost all of his weight eric was a big boy because he's like six four and then he was also a big boy i'm talking about eric moore and i i grew up with him and i would just watch like his fluidity and his ability to get from the snare over to the second floor tom Mm -hmm. in faster than usain bolt and it's like well then you're clearly in great drum shape i can't do that as fast as you can so what i love about brandon's article is he actually details a few of the exercises that you can do to to target drum muscles mm-hmm. um the last one that he has the the dumbbell dorsiflexion mm-hmm. i'm gonna go with that <laughs> i've been doing that forever but i didn't do it with a dumbbell i always put like a 45 plate on my oh, okay. toes and okay. then just lifted that plate towards my shins um and so and because one thing that's really weird is if you play drums for a long time and you sit there and you just do right right kick kick for like say 20 minutes the front of your sh- of your leg is the problem. It's not. It's not like your calf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone's like, "Oh, you must have massive calves." I'm like, I've never felt my calf once. Yeah, it's ever. shin splints is what sets yes. in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and so that exact exercise was like, okay, well, I got to find. And they don't have that anything in the gym for that because no one cares. Like, hey, how good does the front of your calf or <laughs> right. shin look? Right. No one cares. <laughs> can't go show that off, and you can't <laughs> selfie that. You know, if there's if there's one muscle on my body that might be more developed than my brother's it's, it's my that. shin muscle <laughs> yeah that and that thing between your thumb and your first finger that little nub yeah, right. whatever that <laughs> i'm like dude i always flex it's it the i'm hand like butt. that it's is the hand butt <laughs> <laughs> all drummers have it man it's like such a weird thing like even when i show fitness people at the gym they're like what why is that so big and i'm like i've been squeezing a drumstick for since i was five years old and don't squat so anyways, with my hands <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so i think that you can you know easy girl easy girl easy uh you can get into great drum shape without being in great physical f- shape now the one thing i have noticed that i think is important for all drummers no matter what is cardio is worth doing hmm 
not being out of breath while you're playing, not being out of breath, especially if you have to do clinics and public speaking, super important. And I just can't think of any situation where having decent cardio wouldn't make you a better player because you're just going to be physically more relaxed while you play. Yeah, for me, I was always, I had some weird fear that if I, if I, got too much muscle i would it would slow me down like that was the that was the old myth. like even in like basketball like don't don't lift weights too much because you won't be able to jump or run as fast and right i think maybe when you get to the point when you're a bodybuilder that might be a problem yeah when you go from the word fit to buff right right. i remember seeing (laughs) i remember seeing the drummer from fuel and he was buff and i was like damn guy can't get his elbow anywhere near his rib cage right. just like juiced out that dude was he buff just got wings <laughs> yeah totally but yeah i think fitness or being fit you know is and brandon's a pretty extreme level of fitness and i've seen him play a ton of times in his videos and he's super fluid around the kit but fitness is different like you said than bodybuilding bodybuilding could be all muscle growth but fitness is mobility flexibility strength all of that coming together so as long as as you're building your body up you're also working equally as hard on your mobility i think you'd be fine but i do not think that being a fit human being will give you any edge as being a drummer because how many drummers do we know that eat barbecue three times a day and (laughs) they are amazing yeah absolutely amazing yeah those that for me i I can't if i don't feel great going to the gig it's going to be a bad gig it's just Mm -hmm. there's a certain state like if i feel heavy if i eat pizza and try to go to a gig i'm like oh god here we go if i drink a beer before the gig it's not good like there's just certain things i just know i don't know why i think maybe because i'm just generally kind of a more down person like my, my mood is generally just more mellow and it kind of goes against being a drummer where you have to kind of be an animal at times. So right. I'm always like looking for that extra edge. So I'm taking more vitamin C and B12 and <laughs> before the gig. So in cocaine, no, not cocaine. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Dawson getting down with the cocaine. But I will say the one thing that I was afraid to do because I thought it was going to, mm. it would ruin my drumming was work on my grip strength. I was afraid that that would damage my wrists and cause all kinds of trouble. Wow. But as soon okay. as I started really focusing on grip strength with pull-ups and kettlebell swings, I found that I'd play so much more relaxed now. My mm. hands are just not wearing out. They just don't wear out anymore. So that is Yeah, that's that's funny. I I haven't made that correlation, but it's been 2 years now of you know, most of the stuff that's happening in CrossFit is grip strength. Like mm-hmm. you don't wear out on certain lifts uh, physically, you wear out, like, I can't hold the barbell anymore. Right, so your right. grip strength is a big part. Or a farmer carries. It's like, I can keep walking. I just can't hold these damn kettlebells right, anymore. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's funny. I haven't felt that either. That's a really cool thing to notice. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, if you haven't done anything to, to strengthen your grip, like, don't be afraid. I mean, I guess you can, anything else, you go overboard, you can damage your tendons and stuff. But sure, just basic exercises kettlebell swings squats holding the kettlebell pull-ups it's just it's been shocking like i don't i haven't had a gig where i'm like man i can't keep up in a while like a couple years probably wow which is pretty it has to be really cool well everybody please check out brandon's article we didn't even really touch on what (laughs) he talks about and he, he goes really in depth on this stuff and i think it's really important but mike and i just wanted to use this article as a catalyst to speak about does being in great shape translate to your drumming? I, like I said, I honestly don't think it does. The one thing that I notice when I'm, I definitely go in and out of shape because of all the traveling. If my cardio isn't up to par, then I have a really hard time playing a full track at full animal mode and then grabbing a microphone and speaking properly. Now, I'm out is, of breath. What is yeah. your cardio? Do you do biking, running? What do you do? Yeah, that. You so, run? Are you a runner? Well, yeah, I have to run. I mean, we run probably, I'd say... A couple miles every two days. Okay. Um, and then we have the assault bike, which is torture. So it's, you know, maybe 5,000 meters on the assault bike, which is the one where your hands go back and forth oh, while you're right. pedaling. Right. And there's a big fan yeah, that tricks yeah. you into thinking you're getting cooled off and you're not and you just hate life. <laughs> so we have we have the bike of torture and then tons of rowing. That's like one thing oh, I probably rowing. do, you know, uh, at least 5,000 meters a day of rowing in CrossFit. And then I ride my bike to work a lot. So it's all of that. And and then there's this other kind of cardio that is lifting weights that are light but extremely fast and as many reps as possible. And mm. so it's like muscle cardio, and that that's the one that will shut me down. I, I mean, four minutes of max effort, 
and I, I'm scared. Like, well, we're getting close to death. I'm going <laughs> to shut this down. So, um, but yeah, but I, like I said, I, I mean, that's the one thing that I noticed that. And I think honestly, if, if, if a drummer of any shape wanted to get in better drum shape, I would, I would recommend check. Uh, this will be my pick of the week. Check out romwad.com. And so that is like mikeslessons.com for mobility and flexibility. Mm. And every morning it, they it's step by step and it's video based and they walk you through it and it's all mobility stuff. I, I think having more mobility in my upper body is what has really changed my fluidity on the kit. Mm. Nothing is stiff when I move around the kit anymore because you, of all the, how do you spell that? M R O M W O D. So wad is work out of the day. Okay. And then ROM probably stands for random O mobility. <laughs> random O mobility. <laughs> or do yeah. you follow uh, David Goggins, the Navy SEAL crazy maniac guy? Oh yeah. yeah. He, I, I he, don't follow him, but I've seen a bunch of his speeches. Cause he, he gives just great speeches. Ran, uh, well, he tried to run one of those like 200 miles through the mountains, high altitude things. Oh God. And he got, um, whatever it's called when the air bubbles develop in your lungs. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, pulmonary, pulmonary edema or something like that. Yeah, had to go to the hospital overnight, and of course he was disqualified from the race. But the next morning, against his doctor's wishes, he went back and finished the freaking race. So he he did like another I don't know fifty plus miles after oh being in the hospital. <laughs> Just knowing that he was there, like scheming, like okay, I'm going to break out, and here's what I'm going to do: I'm going to throw this at the door. The nurse will come in. <laughs> I'll gently put her to sleep in a chokehold. Then I'll get. It's like, yeah, damn. he's a freak. I always use him as like, okay, that's how far the human body can go because he he literally pushes himself to the point of almost dying. So right. that's how far you can go. You can run two hundred miles. So I need to get off my butt and maybe go run half a mile <laughs> and just right. try it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, when we talk about pushing things as far as they can go and relating it to drums, that's that's why it's so great that we have guys like Thomas Lang, Virgil Donati, Marco Miniman, guys that'll show us what it's like to push this instrument to a level that I, you know, it's funny. I was uh, at the DW thing since we're at the DW factory, Terry's kit was there mm-hmm. and I was talking to my Gretsch rep, rep, Andrew Shreve, and we were just looking at Terry's kit. I mean, it was just uh, maybe one of his second kits just hanging out, but I was telling him, I'm like, you know, that's, we don't play that instrument. Yeah, he totally he uses sticks, but yeah. really that is a totally different instrument than what we're playing. He's not playing pocket on that thing. Yeah. Um, beats and fills. So I, I, when I look at even Thomas and Virgil, I just think, I, I don't think you are what I'm trying to achieve. I think, wow, you, you've taken the instrument that I play so far that it's now become a new instrument and yeah. a new thing altogether. Yeah. And it, it makes me trying to smooth out my hertas or my hair does, depending <laughs> right. on where you come from. It makes that a little bit easier <laughs> because yeah, yeah. you know their ostinatos with their feet are those, and then they solo over it. Yeah, I think the moral of the story is you can always do a little more. You can always do a little more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. All right, where to next, my friend? So we are going to dig into um, our mutual friend Mark Giuliana's new record, his new beat music. So the name of the record is Beat Music, Beat Music, Beat Music uh, by his band that's called Beat Music. So he's hammering home the concept that he's back in beat music world here. (laughs) Sorry, what's your band called, man? What's the record called? What's your band? So if you're not a fan of Mark, he has two very separate kind of careers, really. He's a jazz jazz kind of traditional-oriented drummer, and then this very electronic or modern groove you know, reggae, hip hop, whatever you want to call it, trip hop kind of world. Um, and I think Mark's sweet spot is when those two worlds meet. Yeah, like, true. My favorite Mark is, you know, him with, uh, who's it? Uh, oh man, the great bass player that he, Avishai Cohen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, first, I'm like, is this jazz? Is this fusion? Is yeah, this, yeah. Is this trip hop beats in a jazz setting? Yeah, like when all that stuff comes together, they're, yeah, they're playing out like grooves and stuff. Yeah, that's when I think you know it, it's amazing. But but what's crazy is when he does this or when he does jazz, he doesn't half-ass it. Yeah, no, no, there's nothing. There's no half-ass with, with Mark. <laughs> nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> Just go play patty pong with him in Ireland, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Guy will step till four in the morning to make sure he's the he, leader he, on the scoreboard. Yeah, he might be one of the more subtly competitive people I know. 
<laughs> he pretends like he isn't, but in the de- uh, yeah, in the deeps, you're like, damn, dog, you are Michael Jordan level competitive, <laughs> which is a trait that I highly, highly respect. So. so, in the feature, which is in the November issue, it's you know, it's it's a conversation about a bunch of stuff, but we also transcribed um, five little excerpts from the no, it's six actually, one, two, three, four, yeah, six excerpts from the new Beat Music record. So I thought we'd just drop them in, listen to what he's doing, talk about the concept, and then you know get inspired to go check out the rest of the record so the first track that we're going to check out is the opening track on the record it's called girl so you're going to hear this like this droning bass line that doesn't really sound like it's in time and then if you're cheating and you look at the magazine you'll see that it's in time but when the drums come in it defines the tempo and you can hear that oh yeah that bass part was actually a very specific rhythm so it sounds like it's just this droning thing but when the backbeat comes in you're like oh it's in time. So let's check out Girl first. assume that's Tim LaFave or whoever's playing bass they're definitely elongating when they're playing by themselves so it's not you know I don't think it's it's perfectly uh, subdivided sure but once Mark comes in it's like now they're on it and oh yeah by the way that was all in time it's just this this cross rhythm kind of pattern and I think that that's the brilliance of Mark and also to one of the other guys we speak about a lot Richard Spaven is they understand rhythm on such a deep level, they can play with your ear. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that that's where the trick actually happens to us as fans of music is when we hear things like this, or let's say rock and roll by Led Zeppelin, mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, things that trick your ear. We think that the idea started at the start of the song. And what you don't realize is generally there was a finished product that got reverse engineered all the way to the point that they all know what's happening, mm. but we don't get to hear the thing come together until later. Right, right. But to us, it sounds like, well, I guess Tim just did that, and then Mark was like, where's the one? It's like, no, 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 no. They know what they're doing. <laughs> they know what they're doing. They just pulled away some of the instruments, so we couldn't. We had to have that little bit of tension, like, wait, what's going on here? And then yeah. it comes in, and we have this aha moment. And I think that Mark is absolutely brilliant. And he's been doing that forever. I mean, that's what, you know, um, Locked in a Basement was. Mm-hmm. You yeah, know, that, kind of that's stuff signature. with the typewriter. Yeah, yeah. So the next one here is, um, it's the A section of the song Bones. So if you're if you have the record, it comes in around 21 seconds in. This is in three four. It's just a really kind of funky, fun. Uh, you know, this is I think a good example of Mark sounding like a drum machine. Uh, so mm. this is Bones. I think what's tough for the listeners, and I think Mark's done a really good job. I'm so happy that we have social media so people can follow and see this stuff happen in concerts and see footage from it to realize, no, that's not a drum machine. He's really doing that. And he's, you know, I think really playing those parts, no big deal, or I don't want to say no big deal, but I get it. Drummers can play that. He actually gets those sounds out of a very organic kit. It's not samples. It's not triggers. He gets those sounds and you're in the room going like, how are you playing the hi-hats so much quieter than the kick and the snare yeah. to the point that it sounds like you mix them? Yeah, and with so much clarity at low dynamics. That's that's, that's kind of, for me, the trick of, of how he's been so great is he can play so quiet but still sound like he's really 
totally confident. Like that full sound of that bass drum. He's probably yeah. not hitting that bass drum really that hard, but it sounds like he's smacking the crap out of it. Yeah, he's a, he's a master of that stuff. And it, that was my first takeaway year one of 21 Drums was like, I don't understand. I'm in the most echoey, loud live room on the planet, mm-hmm. and I'm standing a few feet away from you, and, and you look like you're on fire. <laughs> You're playing with pure passion, but yet it's so enjoyable to listen to. All right, what's up next? All right, we got Bud. So this is a similar 16th note groove, but this is in 4-4. And just here, there's just some little ghost notes that kind of slide in, and there's some diddles and stuff. So it's a kind of more of a slinky beat. So this is Bud. It comes in at like the five-second mark if you have the, the full record. Now that, people, you guys have to know how personal that is to Mark. If you hang out with him for more than five minutes and there is any kind of speaker around that has Bluetooth capabilities, <laughs> reggae will show up. Yeah, right. And the way that Mark's body will move when reggae comes on, like I, I can only tell you it's, it's not something where he's a casual fan. This is so deep to him. Um, it's, it's a funny thing. Like, man, there's like, there's just this vision in my head of Mark, Guinness in his hand and reggae comes on and his shoulders come up by his ears and he starts <laughs> lifting the room up with him and he gets just, it, you know, it, it's awesome to see and so just hearing that immediately it's like oh god i just know how happy he was tracking that writing that recording that and what it's i love really about cool. it is it it's obvious when you hear it like okay he's into dub and he's into reggae but that's not a reggae beat that any of us have ever played before so he's still no. finding his own way to speak in that that lexicon if you will yes and Super it's cool. not with ignorance like he didn't know that like oh this isn't it like he knows the history right, the deep yeah. history so he's making this choice yeah it's a beautiful track that might be my favorite track on the record but the next one is called bullet um, this one is pretty freaking syncopated so this is 14 seconds in off the track bullet It's like a fight scene in some old Nintendo game or something. Literally, after <laughs> listening to Bud, I was just about to say, I'm like, you know what I love about this record is it's just such a good driving record. And then <laughs> as soon as that comes in, I'm like, no. No. Yeah, that's an 8-bit we'll that Atari track. game or something. <laughs> yeah. Do not be in traffic listening to that. Bad things will happen. Yeah, super um, cool. Once again, regular drum set. He just does that stuff. It's, yep. it's incredible. All right, let's close out with uh, Stream. So this is... Um, this is something that happens about one minute and 48 seconds in. This is kind of, for me, Mark's brilliance of throwing in all these syncopated phrasings, but it never gets you know, blurry or indistinct. He's so clear with all this really wicked, twisty-turny stuff. So this is Stream. That's Mark right there. You know, I mean, especially that that Mark Juliana hi hat press buzz double yeah. stroke it's like the multi repeat feature on a drum machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's crazy, and he and he he pulls it off so well. And what I love about that is, you know, we've heard like three tracks or so that were insanely dry. Mm-hmm. drum machine and now it's just full reverb full let the drum but they still sound somehow electronic yeah it sounds like you had a sample then you put reverb on it but right. it's still him <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i love this record i think if 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 some of mark's earlier work may be a little bit too abstract for you i think this record the new beat music record it kind of distills it down into a, a more of a you know a, a band vibe it sounds more i think maybe yep. the, the bowie influence is really kind of helped him codify and streamline and make it more song oriented while still being incredibly creative so i think yeah. this is a good record if if you don't quite get the mark juliana thing 
check out the new Beat Music record, and I think it'll make you an instant fan. For me, it's like when I just put on and just want to listen to it. I don't even want to, like, I'm not in drum nerd mode. I just put this on. I want to just hear some cool music. It makes me feel like I'm in the 80s again. It's got all kinds of cool right. just vibes to it. So it's a great record. Congratulations to Mark for putting out another awesome piece of art that makes me jealous. And let's move on. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, we, got our, we got our Mark mentions for the year. Done. <laughs> All right. That it's was time, it, Mark. Uh, it's time to thank our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Movement Drum Co. So if you're looking to get yourself a really high-quality, versatile practice pad, go to movementdrum.co. Check out their 4-in-1 practice pad, which comes with a you know, it's a double-sided pad with a full rim. It's a 12-inch pad. It has four different hitting surfaces, so the included, uh, the built-in silicone rubber is kind of your traditional rubber practice pad feel. The bottom it has a softer feel, which can be good for a quieter practice or if you want a little bit more um, a softer feel for a little bit uh, more top development. They also include a, a conditioning surface insert, which is even softer, which has very little rebound and it's very quiet. So that's really good for really dialing in your wrist control, all of that. They also include a laminate that you can place on top, which gives you a lot more articulation. Really good for cleaning up double strokes and rudiments and uh, drum core style playing. It's a little bit louder, so you get a little bit more articulation and you know it's better for developing that real fine timing and such. So if you want to get one, go to Move Movement Drum Co. Sorry, go to movementdrum.co. That's www.movementdrum.co. Use the code Modern Drummer 10. That's Modern with a capital M, Drummer with a capital D, and then one zero, Modern Drummer 10. And you will get 10% off your order plus free shipping if you're in the U.S. Um, take advantage of that if you're looking to get a nice practice pad. Uh, movementdrum.co. Promo code Modern Drummer 10, 10% off your order. Check it out. All right, this, this episode is also sponsored by Angel Drums. So, just a reminder, they are running a really good special from now until Halloween. That's October 31st, where you can get yourself a 14 inch ash snare drum with a solid shell and all the high end Angel hardware, you know, handmade hardware, the custom handmade shell, Angel straight hoops, um, Canopus snare wires. Pretty crazy, crazy deal. 14-inch snare drum is only $475 plus shipping. That's the Ash. You can get a 14-inch high-gloss mahogany for $699. You can get a solid segment shell maple kit, which has 10, 12, 14-inch toms and 20-inch bass drum for $19.99. That's an insane price. And then you can add a snare drum to that, so you get a 10, 12, 14-inch toms plus a 20-inch bass drum and a maple snare. That's $23.99. It's about the best prices I've seen on handmade custom drums, and especially with the solid shells. So uh, if you're looking to buy some stuff, a snare or two, or a full kit, now would be the time. So you have to contact Chris at angeldrums.com if you're in the U.S. So the email is chris, C-H-R-I-S, at angeldrums.com. And if you're outside the U.S., you just go to the website angeldrums.com. There, um, you can place an order. All the details for the discount are there. Uh, pretty insane deal, so take advantage of that. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about bass drum pedals in the new Tama DynaSync, which we had. Um, uh, we kind of discussed a little bit when they sponsored the podcast a few months back, but um, I got my chance to really mess around with it and review it in the new issues. So I thought I would give a little bit more of a personal first-hand account of this thing. If you haven't seen it, um, this is a direct drive pedal by Tama, and I feel like they've kind of solidified all the features that make all of their pedals great into one thing, and here it is. So the short summary is you take it out of the box, you put it on your bass drum, and it works, and it works very well, and you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> cool. Uh, that's... That's a good pitch. Sometimes you just want a bass drum pedal to be a bass drum pedal. It has so many things you can do to tweak the feel and the response, but it's not so over-engineered that you have to spend an hour doing that before you find something that works. It, it just mm-hmm. works, but then you're like, oh, what would happen if I make the footboard a little bit higher but not affect the the cam itself? Okay, what does that do? All right, it makes it feel a little bit you know, heavier. Wow. What if I lower the footboard? It makes it really quick and quieter. And that's not affecting the throw of the beater or any of that stuff. So there's very choice adjustments on this thing that 
again, you don't have to mess with it, but if you're just curious, what would happen if I mess with these things? You might find something that works better for you. Um, so anyway, there's some really neat things about it that I wish um, would be on every pedal. Like the spring itself swivels at the bottom, so you don't have this like locked nut at the bottom mm. that's just constantly creating some kind of friction against the spring. It kind of swivels freely, which is really nice. Um, the beater itself, you know, like your beater, your your white felt beater that's worn the heck down. You know, the one perfectly, that you, yeah, yeah, perfectly. Yeah. They kind of <laughs> profile their their felt beater to give you that already, so you're not coming to at the that. head at an angle it's it's flush right. um, which is really yeah neat. i mean the, the other thing that i think needs to be mentioned and it's it has nothing to do with this pedal is i love the fact that it's called the tama dynasync pedal and not the dynasync iron cobra and so yeah. i don't know if tama meant god i don't know how long's the iron cobra been out since the 90s oh yeah probably yeah i right? would assume so Oops, that became the biggest hit for Tama in their hardware division ever. Now, this metal snake vibe Iron Cobra is attached to their thing. And look how long it's taken them to get artists like Peter Erskine to play mm-hmm. their drums. Because it's like, well, no, you guys are metal drums. Yeah. And they're like, are you kidding? We put one snake on one damn pedal. <laughs> yeah. And you guys called us a metal company. We're not. And so I really, I think that on a hardware level, especially if you're thinking about somebody that has no endorsements they're just buying a pedal maybe this is what's going to push them to be like oh i'm going to give that a try over these other hardware companies or at least put this in the mix because branding wise i can identify with this it's a clean clean pedal that just says dynasync on it yeah exactly and it it just works and it and it they've added some things you can do with the direct drive system itself because i think some people are hesitant with direct drive they think it's maybe too invisible or it's too transparent or too fast really um, so you can actually move the the, sem- the cam assembly forward and backward to get a faster feel or a heavier, more kind of chain-like feel. That's cool. And so, that doesn't change the angle of the footboard? No. Or you can then you recompensate? Can, yeah, you can, just, you can readjust everything. To, so wow. the only thing that's different is that the cam is just closer to the drum head or closer to the, the pedal assembly. And it drastically mm. changes the feel. Um, so yeah, it's a great pedal. Um, I had I it on the kit. I am not at all swayed by this. <laughs> I'm not in. I'm, I'm going to close this window. I, don't even <laughs> I, I mean, again, I'll go back. I had it on my kit for about a month, and I totally forgot it was there. Like in, okay. a, in a way that it just became your pedal. Yeah, like drumsticks, pedals. I just don't want to think about it. If I if I yeah. notice it, then there's probably a problem. And I didn't notice this thing. After a while, I'm like, oh yeah, this isn't mine. I'm reviewing this. I should probably get this out of here. <laughs> no, I'm not. Uh, I've never played a direct drive pedal more than just testing one out. Um, but it seems that 350 for uh, for a single pedal is actually really affordable for uh, a direct drive pedal. I mean, I guess that's kind of in the market, right? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 it's. it's I don't know much crop. about direct drive pedals. Yeah, I mean, you can you can get a hundred dollar, you can get a fifty dollar Ludwig Speed King, but. You know, good point. It's not gonna. It's not gonna do this. That's a. T- it's right. the opposite of this. So it, I think it is a major purchase, but it could be the last pedal purchase you need to make. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's really the goal is just to have that thing where it's like, honestly, whatever you choose, it doesn't matter. Eventually, your foot will figure it out. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that I don't want to deal with my pedal. Yeah, I want to put it on and have it work, and I want the 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 hoop clamp to be easy to get to and hold yep. tight. I mean, there's and just little tight. things. <laughs> I don't oh want God. that pedal turning on me in the middle of a show. There <laughs> have been times where I've thought, like you know, especially if I'm doing a uh, festival where I'm not really part of the setup, I just come in and whatever's there is what I play, and I just think, you know. I've been reaching down to adjust this damn pedal for 40 years of my life. (laughs) How is this still happening? (laughs) Yeah, And and it's always the one where the thumb screw is under the footboard. So you've got to like, you know, break your knuckles. just. And then like they've got an overhead cam at this festival and now it's plumber's crack on this massive (laughs) giant screen as I'm fixing my pedal. I'm like, come on. How is this still happening? True. Uh, the things I have to think about. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, if you're in the market for maybe the last pedal you ever need to purchase, check out the Ooh. Tama DynaSync. It's it's really nice. That looks awesome. Yeah, it's a good. All right. it's a good option. Let's get to some of our questions. Okay. So we've got um, a couple here. This one is from Mike. Um, he's looking to buy a new snare drum. So should I get a Dun- Dunette, uh, aluminum, or titanium? 
He says, yes. I own two aluminum snares and I love them. He has a Q a Gentleman's and a Ludwig Superphonic. And he's heard us talk about titanium before. So he wants to know, should he go against the grain and get the titanium or get a Dunnett aluminum? 100% titanium. Yes. Not because it's better. It's because you have two aluminum drums. And even though Ron is a master, it's not going to sound that different than what you have. Yeah, exactly. And I know the Q Gentleman series is pretty drastically different than a classic Ludwig Superphonic. And I think Ron's yes. will be right in the middle there. So, you know. Exactly. I I, and I, I demoed, uh, so Gretsch has some new aluminum snares that are rolled aluminum, not those CNC ones that they've mm-hmm. always had in the USA line. I demoed that, and then PDP has a new aluminum snare coming out that they demoed, and it, you know it, they were honestly quite close to being like, it was like, yeah, that's what aluminum does. It's, it's great middle-of-the-road metal that just kind of does its job. But yeah, I, I have the titanium one that you're talking about, and I can tell you it's a special, special drum for sure. So there you go. Get a titanium. Um, next Boom. one is from Derek. In regards to miking a bass drum for a bar gig where you have two PA speakers but no subwoofers, mm. um, would you like it? And then the next part of the question is, what is the main sonic difference between a 14-inch deep bass drum and a 17-inch deep bass drum? 17? Who put out a 17? Sonars? I think sonars are 17s. Oh, okay. I think. Okay. I could be wrong. But So it's basically a shallow versus a deep bass drum. Yeah. Um, first question about miking when you only have PA speakers. I do, but I make sure that it's not super loud. It's just giving me a little bit of attack. That's it. Yeah. And yeah, you also have to try to not turn those PA speakers into subs. Like, yeah. don't crank 60 hertz to 10 and think yeah, like it's going to turn into a sub. It just won't. Yeah. So I think of it more just for clarity. And yes, yep. if you need it. And then what do you think about the bass from depth differences? I don't think a lot of it matters if you've got three pillows inside the bass drum, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think it really comes down to if you're getting a little bit more of an open sound. The In my experience, my 22 by 18 or 18 by 22 is actually much punchier than my 14 by 22. My 14 by 22, if we're talking about wide open. Mm-hmm. With my deep bass drum, it seems like the the sound waves don't really ever make it to my resonant head. Where in the 14-inch deep bass drum, it's way more open sounding, way more boomy sounding. So visually, it looks like I've got a cannon with the 18-inch deep one, but I don't get that feeling when I play it. I also feel like if I'm uh, the response on the 14, it's it's a different feel. I enjoy playing off the head on a 14-inch mm-hmm. deep bass drum. I don't really enjoy doing that on an 18. I kind of like to bury the beater. So it just depends on how I was tuning it and how I was playing it. If it was if it was open or just had a towel, I would go, you know, 14 by 20 or 14 by 22 all day long. It's one of my favorite sizes. It's my 14 by 22 is what I actually play already, or 14 by 20, excuse me. Um, but if it was something where I was really laying into it and it was a rock gig, the 17 inch deep with a pillow or three blankets would be great. Yep. I think it's similar to snare drums. The deeper the drum, the more headroom you have volume wise. But that's a good point. You know. Yep. So you can Great kind of point. bottom out a shallow drum quicker, but you but you won't get the same dynamic response from a super deep drum, right? So yeah, it's like, I'm with you. Know, you. I'd like a 14 inch deep bass drum for everything. Even when I'm really crushing the drums, I found a bass drum is hard for me to overplay. <laughs> it's kind yeah. of hard to overplay a bass drum. If I'm trying to overplay the bass drum, then we're in a bad situation. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, let's do one more here from Andrew. I'm wondering if you have any experience with using. Uh, he says black dot, but just dotted heads on toms. Um, any thoughts on why they are seldom used on toms, but they're more often used on snares? The CS dot controlled sound. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I, I've never enjoyed the feel of the CS dot on toms. Yeah. It, it's it's weird. It's like it stole my rebound. Yeah. Even on snares, um, it's not it's not great. No, I mean, well, on snares, I'm just laying in. I would only use it on a snare that I'm laying into as just backbeat rim shots only. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I've I've never really. I actually specifically when we made the Brooklyn Standard, a lot of their drums come with a CS dot head, and I, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. I can't change the fact that Gretsch has a partnership with Remo. I can't say put an Aquarian on mine. Right, that doesn't right, work. Right. Um, I said just put a single ply ambassador coated. I don't want the CS dot. Um, but I think the reason why a lot of snares ship with the CS dot is it's an easy way for the drum manufacturer to take out some of the overtones by mm-hmm. having that dot there so it makes it sound better in the showroom. Yeah, 
And it is a really popular head too. It's like a it's like a subtle upgrade, I think. If you get a drum yeah. like, oh yeah, it's got a dotted head. But on Tom's I think honestly, on Tom's, I think it's for visual. It there's a look to a dot on yeah. it, especially if you have clear heads, you know. Yeah, there, I mean there's a there's a thing to me that that I can see why some drummers like and I definitely don't like. It's like a boinginess to them. Yeah. Like if and you're there's a tackiness play, yeah. to it. It's weird. It's like they really work really well on acrylic drums and kind of that's it <laughs> in my experience we're huge fans of the sand stuff <laughs> now they're actually a really good choice for resonant heads i think it's often what? overlooked because they just they just deaden really? some of that high it's a great funk. idea and it just makes them kind of cool looking have like dots on the bottom of your toms i did that for a Chrome long dots? time just by mistake i just ordered a bunch of heads and they sent me black dots by mistake like okay uh-huh. those are my bottom heads and it's a good choice i had the chrome ones for a while man oh the, back when i was a kid chrome ones Chrome dots, hell yeah. I was like, what's up? Now my rack tom is a mirror. I can check my hair. We're good. I think those are Ludwigs, right? Whatever. I don't know. I was a kid. I just went to the store and I was like, those. Yeah, I wouldn't use them on toms unless you want to sound like the 70s and, and 80s arena rock. That, that would yeah, be my I agree. Culture. I agree. Cool. Nice. That's it for questions. All right. So what was my pick of the week earlier? It was a good one, too. It was oh, that like website. Really... Uh, what was it? Oh yeah. So I'll ch- I'll I'll make sure that I got it right. Um, I I have a membership to it. Yeah. So Romwod R O M W O D. Optimize your range of motion. Daily videos to optimize range of motion, boost athletic performance, and accelerate recovery. All right. So this is something where at the end of every CrossFit workout. When everyone's leaving, it's your option to stick around and they'll put one of these videos up on their screen and everybody just kind of moves over and does their mobility work for the day. Mm. Um, so mobility and flexibility are slightly different. And this is definitely not yoga. This is not even close to yoga. This is really in-depth stretching to make sure that you're more functional and that you don't get hurt as often when you're trying to lift weights or trying to be physically active, which I think we have the only instrument on the planet, unless you're talking about touring artists, but we have the only instrument that is so physical no matter where you're playing. If you're in your bedroom, it's still an extremely physical instrument that requires four limbs to play so um yeah i I have a membership to this i think it's a great website i think their content is amazing so check out ramwa.com cool and i'm going to keep with the sort of drum history sort of outro beat sort of pick of the week theme so i'm highlighting my favorite hard bop drummer philly joe jones but not in a hard bop scenario so he recorded uh, this drum solo off the album called Drums Around the World, and it's called The Tribal Message. So the title kind of gives it away. He's definitely kind of evoking more of a tribal tribal vibe. So if you listen to it, I'm pretty sure he's actually walking to different drum sets that are in different spots in the studio. What? Because you're going to hear like he's he's up close, and then at some point it sounds like he's like 30 feet away from, from the mics. I don't know if that's true. Maybe someone has some photos of him on this session, but I feel like that's what he just set up like a couple kits and just like walked around and played each one. So he's having like, awesome. a, like a distance conversation with himself. So it's called The Tribal that's Message. Really cool. We're going to send it off with that. Um, if you're not familiar with Philly Joe Jones... This is not the best indication of what he actually does. It's just a cool piece. Check out the Miles Davis Quintet, the Steaming, Working, Relaxing, um, Cooking series for, for, for Prestige Records. That's kind of, for me, prime Philly Joe in his element. This is him doing some cool drum solo. And so we're going to send the show off with the tribal message. And that's it. We could use more intro beats. Um, MDinfo at moderndrummer.com. And that's about it. So we're done. We will see you guys in the next episode. Uh, Philly Joe, take us out.